Hey friends, so I'm just sitting here in my home studio, which is really just my home office. So the question was asked, have you got an episode that's dedicated to reflection skills and methods? And I realized that no, not really. There's a lot of like random episodes here and there that might talk about things that are reflection adjacent. I can't identify that we have an episode specifically on reflection skills and methods. Now, it was timed really, really well because at the most recent ACA New England camping conference, I presented a workshop titled Reflecting Skills and Methods. So what I'm going to do is answer the question by talking about the topics that I discussed in that workshop. So let's get into reflecting skills and methods. So I'm just going to go through a list of different takeaways that were a part of this workshop. If you have any more questions after this, after you've listened and you think, well, that really uh, was interesting. I'd love to learn a little bit more details. Feel free to just message me on Instagram. I'm happy to help you out there at vertical playpen one thing i do like about instagram is that i can respond with an audio message so if you ask me a question i can just talk you through something so if there's anything specific in this that you want more details on then just let me know and i will help so i started the workshop with an activity using our 52 fathoms cards i'll throw into the description of this episode some additional information on these cards but The activity I used was 52 card pickup. Now the concept is you take the 52 playing cards, in fact there's 54 with the jokers, and you throw them all onto the ground and it's based on the classic prank 52 card pickup and you encourage everyone in the group to pick up the cards. Now the difference is that on these cards there are ace through king and all four suits in this. It's the standard deck of playing cards, except it has instructions on each of the faces of the cards the task is that everyone goes up picks up a card completes the task that is written on it and once they've completed it to the best of their ability they keep that card in hand and then pick up a new card and complete that instruction and so on and so forth until all of the cards have been picked up the key is that once you've done something you just don't want to put the card back down otherwise the activity never ends for whatever reason you look at the task and you say no i don't want to do that that's fine you can put it down choice is there Just know that somebody else is going to have to do that card for the task to be completed. If you pick up a joker, the jokers don't have any instructions on them other than the word joker. You would then tell somebody a joke that you know or get somebody to tell you a joke. If you complete either of those, then that task is done. Now, the reason I started with this activity is I wanted to highlight the key takeaway of the golden minute of reflection. Now, this can be done using lots of different activities. But the concept behind it is that if you create or you facilitate an activity that is intrinsically motivating, therefore it has the qualities of creating a challenge, provoking curiosity, allowing for choice, and promoting creativity, then what happens is that participants are more able to reflect on those experiences. Pair that with an activity that people are picking up cards, they don't know what each other is doing, we don't know the tasks of each other as we're doing it, it just looks a little chaotic from if you were just to look upon the group. People are intrigued about what other people are doing. 
They're collecting cards as well, and they're going to share that with people next to them when they're done. Hey, by the way, I was doing this. Did you see where I did that log roll? All of those kind of things. They try to explain it to the people around you because you want to explain why you were doing certain things. Now, I call it the golden minute of reflection because after an activity is done, such as an activity like this, as a facilitator, you should say absolutely nothing because what you will find more often than not is that the participants will begin reflecting it themselves, talking with their neighbors. And a pitfall that I find happens with newer facilitators is that they will lead an activity. They'll have this mindset of I'm going to lead an activity and then I'm going to stop the group and then we're going to reflect that they get in the habit of stopping reflection to reflect. So they put their hands up and say, okay, everyone get quiet as their group is reflecting and then say, okay, now let's reflect upon this activity. The problem with that is you've just interrupted the authentic and true reflection that was going on in the group. Now, the reason I started with this activity is because I wanted to prime the pump of this workshop as being about skills and methods and not about tools. So I wasn't going to be providing in this workshop different reflection props. Now, reflection tools and props have their place. I use them from time to time. The problem I find with them is they become a bit of a crutch to true reflection skill for your facilitators. Reflection tends to be And no, I'm saying reflection. I could be saying debriefing. I could be saying processing. Reflection tends to be the thing that people ask me as a trainer the most about because that's the thing that they struggle the most with. I can lead an activity well. I can make an activity engaging. But how do I draw the learning from that activity? And this is where these props and tools come in. What they do is they provide the participants an opportunity to reflect, but they do not enhance skills of the facilitator at reflecting because ultimately they become a crutch. So the aim of this workshop was to be able to give ideas, methods and skills to enhance your facilitation and your reflection. But I was very clear that these aren't going to be quick fixes. This is skill. Skill takes time and experience and practice. And one of those things that can be very challenging and I experience this a lot often, is not stopping the group to reflect, letting things go. And the golden minute of reflection is an example of where that can happen. The second thing I did was I talked about connection as reflection. So connection activities that can be used as well at reflecting. The example I used was I did a paired handshake. I did the wild turkey handshake where one of the pair spreads their thumb and finger out wide and that makes the back end of the turkey and the other pair balls the hand into a fist and sticks their thumb out stretched and that makes the body and the head of the turkey and when those two meet you gobble like a turkey. What I did was then paired that handshake with a question prompt. So I asked partners to perform the wild turkey handshake, and then to discuss the question, what challenges do you have with reflecting? So the takeaways that I did with this, that you can ask question prompts in the connection that can talk about something that you're going to talk about later. But where I really used this, 
I asked for a pair to be willing to volunteer to step into the center of the circle because everyone was standing in a circle and demonstrate to the larger group their wild turkey handshake. A pair were willing and they'd stepped in and they got an applaud from the group. But then what I did is ask the question, when I asked for a volunteer, we all had an emotional response to that question. Some of us were willing and others of us and that might be the majority of us, looked down and were hoping that we wouldn't have to do it. So my question to you is, if you were one of those people who didn't want to step in, what was the rationale? Why was that? What was the emotional response you had? And why do you think that you had that emotional response? So what I've done is taken this opportunity for people to demonstrate a handshake, and very often we just reward those people who are willing to step in. But what I actually tried to do was mine the opposite experience, And that is a phrase that I learned from Romy Alexandra. Now, I could delve that further and then start asking questions once people have given me answers on what would the group need to do to support you to feel like you could step in. If, let's say, a barrier was I was going to, I might feel embarrassed. What can we as a group do to help you feel less embarrassed, more likely to step in? So we get to have these kind of conversations. The other thing I mentioned during this while people were sharing, this notion of when someone shares something, so let's say someone said they were embarrassed, I then would follow up by saying, hands up if you have felt embarrassed at some point or you also agree with the statement that was shared, that you didn't want to step in because you would feel embarrassed. And then I have people put their hands up and then I say, before you put your hands back down, just have a quick look around the group, see how many people have put their hands up as well. This acknowledgement that you're not alone in an experience, I think is really important. And what it does is it sets the precedent that people can be willing to share because they get this affirmation from the group. The next activity that I ran was clap, jump, spin, run. Now, the activity itself starts with everyone standing in a circle. I would clap, the person to my left would jump, the person to their left would spin, and then the person to their left would run and find a new spot between any two people in the group. Once they arrived, they would then clap, the person to their left would jump, the next person would spin, and the next person would run to a new location, and the pattern repeats itself. Now, I led it once, just as a practice, so that people could get the pattern, and I was very clear, this is a practice. I also then led it a second time and had people then determine which direction they wanted to send the pattern in, either left by clapping to the left or right by clapping to the right. And then once we'd practiced those two rounds, then I introduced the real challenge, which is when someone gets their new spot, they're going to clap in front. It's going to send the pattern in both directions at the same time. So there's going to be two people jumping, two people spinning, two people running. When they get back to their new position and clap, it sends it in both directions. So it keeps doubling the number of people who are doing stuff, and it becomes a little chaotic. Now, what I did prior to this last round is say that in this round, we're going to experience some chaos. And the aim this round is to see how well we can support each other so that we can keep the patterns going despite the chaotic experience. And so the takeaway from this was that if you frame activities with a certain mindset, a certain outcome in mind, so I mentioned supporting each other, then that allows you then at the end of an activity to reflect based on that initial framing. So at the end of this activity, I asked these two questions. 
Hands up if you were at any point confused. And then I did the look at the hands. Everyone was confused. And then I asked what made it confusing. So they listed the things that were confusing. And then I said, despite that confusion and acknowledging all of the reasons why it was confusing, we still were able to participate and keep the patterns going. So there had to have been support from each other in this. So what support did you demonstrate? And so by bringing up support at the start, I can end it with talking about support and that makes sense and it primes that so that as the activity is progressing, people are already thinking, well, how am I supporting people? So that when you ask that question, they're not taken aback by this, oh, okay, let me think about something that I haven't actually had any time to think about. Intentional framing, talking about reasons why you might be doing an activity can allow you to then reflect on it at the end. The other thing I mentioned specific to this activity, the notion of the experiential learning cycle and three questions that can help you follow that cycle with your groups. And those are the what questions. So the what is what happened. Hands up if you're confused. What made it confusing was kind of the what. So what is like, so we still were able to do stuff. So what about that? Then the last question could be now what? Now, how do we analyze this and extrapolate kind of this information into the real world? How do we make this real? And with the current audience I was working with, which was summer camp staff, I talked about the experience we just went through can represent and mirror the experience of running a summer camp, whereas a lot of moving parts, a lot of chaos. And yet as a staff, we support each other through that chaos. What? So what? Now what? The last activity that I led was card prediction. So I took a shuffled deck of cards, playing cards, placed them face down, and then the aim is to identify what card is not going to be on top when I turn it over. Ace through king, and there's no suits needed, so you don't need to talk about spades, clubs, hearts, diamonds. If you guess it's a four and I turn it over and it's a five, then we just continue to the next person in the group. If... I turn it over and it is a four. That's the end of the round. And we count how many successful turns we did. How many times we correctly guessed what one it was not going to be. Now, we did this once as a group. In fact, if we were to do it with this group, it almost went around the entire circle. We went through almost the entire deck. But I didn't make this a team thing. I was intentional and just kind of went one by one, let people guess. One of the rules is that you can't say previously guests guess. So if someone says four, the next person can't guess a four. You can't keep guessing the same numbers. Now, inherently, as we kind of did this activity, people started to figure out and you could see people sharing that once you get a whole four of a kind out every other time, you can mention that until you maybe get two of those out and then you're good to go for the rest of it. But this didn't happen with this group and they didn't make it all the way through. So we were going to play it a second time. We didn't because of time. But what I wanted to the takeaway I wanted to give them with this was once you've done something like this, then you can introduce the ABCDEs of problem solving. So any problem solving activity, you can use these. A stands for asking questions, so they understand the task at hand. B is brainstorming, coming up with some ideas. C is choose, choosing one of those ideas to do. D is doing it. And E is evaluating. How did that work? 
But this framing, um, this skill that you can give to participants can be really helpful, not only to solve problems, but then to reflect. Because what I would do then is lay down, I've got big laminated letters, A through E. I would take each of those letters and lay them on, a, on the ground somewhere in the, around the group. I'd say, which of these five letters, what are these five steps in problem solving do you think we did well? And so then they'll go and stand on which one they did swell. So let's say there was someone standing at Brainstorm at B. I would say, can you explain to me why you're standing there? Then I'll ask the question, what if we were to do this again? Would we try to improve on? And then once again, they stand where they need to. And then I can talk about it. So this giving a skill to your participants can then be used to reflect as well. So that was the workshop and those are all the takeaways I mentioned in that workshop. Hopefully this gives you stuff to think about in your own reflection. Okay, so if you have any questions about anything you heard, then please let me know. You can email me at podcast at highfiveadventure.org or just go to at vertical playpen on Instagram and send me a direct message there. All right, thanks friends. See you on the next one. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playcast. And then what about, thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast. Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for giving. I think I'll pass the guy. <laughs>